Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean, the weekend edition. First with yesterday's news, I and Glenn ZB were looking back at Sunday and Saturday, whole weekend. Um, the uh, Warriors carry on their winning ways. Um, we've got a guy who's a bit concerned that we haven't fixed climate change yet. Uh, the police are cracking down on speeding. I feel like I've heard that before. And uh, what is the commando way? But before any of that, uh, these... Uh, oh, it's turbulent times in the US. I mean, could it be more turbulent? A 17-year-old fanatic, apparently obsessed with law enforcement, took, a, took it upon himself to shoot three people with an AR-15. There's video of it. It's chaotic. It's awful. And this is actually the thing I, I feel most anxious about. What's going to happen in a couple of months? when the election results roll in. Is it too extreme to wonder if there could be really serious violence in America's streets? Not one-off incidents, but a mass civil event. I told my friend I thought it was concerning that Donald Trump is already suggesting the election results might be illegitimate. How will his most gung-ho supporters react in November if they think the election has been stolen? How many 17-year-olds with AR-15s might take to the streets and decide to do more than just parade their guns? How many might cross the threshold and feel compelled to start shooting? Could that happen in America? Could there be a major historic civil conflict? I asked my mate, and he said, well... You can't trust the postal voting system. The future is uncertain for all of us, but increasingly, I worry that November in America has the potential to be very nasty indeed. Wow, nastier than August and July and June. (sighs) Uh, Away from this, way away from all this. In Townsville, in fact. No, Tamworth. Get your T-Towns right. Uh, the Warriors, uh, they've been having a great time. Well, I was a doubting Thomas yesterday, Tone. I'll admit it. I sent you foul expletive text saying that they're going to break our hearts. They're going to F this up, didn't I? Well, you did. But I, I, look, I just think you, you take the last month in the, in the context when the Warriors are playing, mate. And they, they're, they're not finishing games like they used to in the past where they drop off in the in that last quarter. They, they're actually rolling over the top of players and you know, the game against Penrith, the game against Sydney, where they competed for that whole 80s, you know, they did the same yesterday and ended up with a 30-point win. And I, I just thought it was an outstanding effort from the boys, considering what they've been through. A couple of weeks ago, you said fitness, and you'd noticed something uh, since lockdown, and I said it's very perceptive of you, but you said that perhaps because the distractions are a way that they can only do this, you would notice that the players' body shapes were changing and things. 100%. I, look, I... I guarantee you they're they're a hell of a lot fitter. Um, I, I just think that being over in Australia in a in an environment, it's it's sort of a tournament for them, isn't it? You know, they're they're all living together and and training hard together. And I think one thing that um, Todd Payton has brought to the side is a resilience and defence. You know, like, like getting thirty points when they couldn't score any points uh, not too long ago um, is great. But I think what's really driving them is their ability to, to, to defend really well and, and you saw the scramble yesterday, a couple of try savers that kids fought to get back and make those tackles. I think what he's brought 
Todd Payton is a, is a belief and an attitude that if they're going to go out there, it's just to compete defensively for 80 minutes and the rest will follow. Yeah, um, Payton seems to have managed to explain to the Warriors squad that the point of tackling is to stop the other bloke going further forward. Because they seem to... It t- took them a little while to get their heads around that this season, didn't it? Um, now, so Jonathan Porat is a bit concerned that we haven't sorted out climate change yet. Uh, we've been trying for a while, but not hard enough. Jonathan, you said this was the hardest book you've written. Why is that? It really was. And I think that's because I had to look very deep into the reality of the science today and try and explain why it is that the science is not actually impacting on people in the way that you might expect. It is not shifting politicians to treat this like an emergency. It's not that they're ignoring it or that they're in denial about it, but they're just not treating it as if it was an emergency. And looking at the gap then between what the science is telling us now and what the political response is, that's quite unnerving because you can't conclude anything other than it's just not good enough. We're just not doing what we need to do to make sense of it. So let's, look, we know it's bad. We hear that all the time. <laughs> but maybe if you could just sum up your five parts and, and 21 chapters of your book and, and just give us an idea of how bad it is. I will do this quickly because otherwise it can get very depressing at any time of day. I guess that the consequence of us putting billions and billions of tonnes of these greenhouse gases up into the atmosphere for many decades now means that we've had this warming effect already, probably a, a roughly one degree centigrade um, increased temperature since the start of the Industrial Revolution. And that now is going up much faster than it did before. And the consequences of that can, of course, be seen all over the world. It's good, isn't it, to have somebody on here um, who you can ask, uh, when exactly will the world end and how? And they say, mm, yeah, Tuesday lunchtime. That's good. You can sort your diary properly. Um, now, before uh, we get to the end of the world, though, will we get done for speeding in the process now that the cops have announced a zero tolerance policy? Haven't we had this already? What do you make of this? The, the statement that police are now going to pull over and find anyone caught over the speed limit, no matter how much over they are... Um, what do you reckon? Well, it sounds like they've actually made it uh, clear as mud, to be honest. Um, <laughs> the tolerance actually is there for a reason, or was always there for a reason, and that's because speedo and accuracy um, in vehicles is pretty common. Um, most speedos will be out by 5K, some up to a 10K. So that can be lower. So you think you're doing 100, but you're actually only really doing 95 or maybe even 90. Um, but there are cars that read slower. So you think you're doing 98, but you're actually doing 105, 106. So those people are going to find themselves having a nice conversation with a police officer. Do you think um, they're actually really going to clamp down like this? Or is this just sort of rhetoric to try and get us to slow down a bit? It could be rhetoric. And, and to be honest, I probably hope that it is because the tolerance is there. Uh, it's kind of a fudge factor and a leeway. And, and I know um, over the years, officer uh, discretion has been something that's been reduced. 
So an officer could look at someone who say maybe is completing an overtaking manoeuvre. Is that person doing it safely, reducing their speed back to the speed limit or below, having completed the overtaking manoeuvre, or are they carrying on at that higher level of speed? And if they carry it on, of course, then they're going to get a stop and probably a ticket. Yeah, I mean, should they just reduce the speed limit to 95 k's an hour? That's the alternative. You're not really going to get a rise out of me on the old... I I am a bit nannerish, I suppose. Um, When it comes to the old speed limit, I don't really get why you should drive... 105 instead of a, it's not going to make any difference so you may as well drive to the limit you know what I'm saying but anyway uh, given that uh, we can't even figure out whether we're supposed to tell people whether or not we should get a COVID test the chances of telling the cops whether or not to stop people for driving 101 k's an hour how's that going to work out Oh, not that the two are related, of course. Uh, let's finish up with something that's also not related. Uh, the Commando Way. Now, I thought that this might be a book about how not to wear underwear, but no. How did you first come to find yourself in the forces? Uh, yeah, look, great question. I think some of these paths are predestined. I, I just, I, I wanted to be a firefighter. I was probably encouraged not to go down that uh, route by my father, and um, and then really good marketing in the in the in the 1980s, late 80s, early 90s, around the Australian Defence Force. Some great TV shows at the time, um, all sort of colluded against my um, I don't know better judgment, and I ended up in the in the military. <laughs> Why do you say better judgment? <laughs> oh, look, I actually had, and, and this is not I didn't, haven't got this in the book, but I actually had been accepted to do. Um, an, in, an insurance internship with Prudential Insurance, uh, just, <laughs> and so I could be—I could have been an insurance uh, salesman rather than have been a special forces platoon commander in Afghanistan. That's certainly a fork in the road, isn't it? Like you go left, it takes you one way; you go right, it takes you in a whole different direction. I wonder if some of this stuff is just set out, and we don't have too much control of it, and we end up on the path we're meant to be on. You know. So, so what was it that helped you kind of make that decision in the end? What was it that really drew you to the army? I think like a lot of people and, and certainly Australians and New Zealanders has, have always had this desire to go further afield around the world and see past their shores. So perhaps it was the Anzac spirit a little bit living in me. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely was an explorer and wanted to see something outside of where I presently was. Graham Connolly there, author of The Commando Way, which is a book about applying skills you learn in the military to everyday life and not a book about how not to wear underwear. Because you don't actually need a book to tell you how to do that. You just do that, I assume. I I really regret even bringing it up now. I'm Glenn ZB, and that's often the way this podcast ends. Uh, And I'll do it again uh, tomorrow with another News Talk ZB. See you then.